All right. Well, hear me. All right. Mic check. All right. Welcome everybody to the first meeting of the Multimodal Transportation Commission of the new year, 2023. This is our January meeting, starting with the study session, as always, at 5.30 instead of 5, a little different. And um, the topic for this particular study session is a discussion around adult crossing guards. Um, Charlie, do you want me to give a brief introduction of what I know, or would you rather? Um, sure, you can give it a shot. I'll, well, I'll, I'll leave it off. do my best. So circa a year or two ago, there was a discussion on the commission's agenda where we we were presented with the opportunity to kind of make crossing guards more efficient. So we learned a couple of facts that the the funding for crossing guards, sorry, for the adult crossing guard program, the funding comes from parking services, which was interesting, but that's where it comes from. The budget was something around was $115,000, $120,000 a year, I think, somewhere in that range. And though there wasn't necessarily an impetus to cut the budget, um, the money was there to get all the crossing guards that we may have ever needed, but the, the person power resources were maybe not there. It was it's it's, it's difficult to find people to take the jobs because it's kind of odd hours, um, and oftentimes guards would you know call out sick or other leaves of absence, and filling them with parking enforcement personnel was kind of problematic, and we had to you know pay them over time and divert resources away from parking enforcement. So not a great situation. So to make better uses of the resources, not necessarily the cash, but the people. Uh, it, it was it was put forth to have a threshold to meet to actually like, quantify where it makes sense to put a crossing guard. So, you know, um, are there a certain amount of people crossing the street? And Dustin, you can explain this a lot better than I can because I think this is your deal. But there's like three or four metrics that were measurable, right? Including one rather confusing one that was something like the interval. I I kind of forgot exactly what that was, but there was some kind of interval based metric where like the amount of time between cars on average would be long enough that you don't need a crossing guard. I think it was something kind of like that. So anyway, um, we went through with the newly defined threshold and that kind of reconfigured where adult crossing guards were going to be stationed around the city. Um, especially with the newly changed school boundaries after the closure of I'm going to forget this. Is it Kennedy closed or Cordley something in the Southeast closed, right? Kennedy, I think. Kennedy. Yeah. So there's a couple changes of school boundaries and new safe routes to school coming up that all kind of necessitated just a change. Um, when I later realized that I, for some reason I had made the connection that it wasn't the budget that was the problem. I realized, well, there's extra money in the budget. Couldn't we just have more crossing guards? So that's when staff clarified that it's not the money, it's the difficulty in getting people to do this job. And that's when Charlie, I think at some point said, well, if we have extra money for school crossing guards, if that is hasn't already been reallocated to something else, is there a chance to loop that in with other school safety, safe routes to school related stuff, stuff like um, walking school buses or additional supervision at drop off and pick up points for parents with their cars or bike education, like all sorts of stuff. Like, is there a, a way that we could maybe do almost like what we do with the neighborhood neighborhood traffic management program, taking a bunch of disparate elements and making a more cohesive policy around it? Could we do that with school stuff? Um, you know, which is kind of what the policy already is, right? It's the safe routes to school policy. And what's the other name? The Lawrence area traffic control policy, school area traffic control policy. I think we got that through last year, two years ago now. So anyway, it, there's already sort of a, a framework available for, you know, keeping kids safe around schools. 
but could we make more efficient use of the funds that currently and previously to a greater extent funded adult, adult crossing guards? So, Charlie, I know you had a couple of ideas around this as to how other ideas that we could pursue. So, first, that's a great summary. I'd, I'll add just a couple pieces. Um, historically, there hasn't been a process that assured a review of crossing guard locations. So it was quite possible that once one was in place, um, it would stay that way for years. And there wasn't, um, it wasn't really a systematic uh, process where that would be reconsidered. Um, and that was problematic because you would start to find crossing guards that weren't highly utilized. Um, and those crossing guards might be better utilized another location near the school to ensure safety of kids walking to school and biking to school. So I think that was a big improvement with the policy. Um, I think the other important thing about that policy is it offered an opportunity to look at the potential for crossings, not just the um, actual crossings. And so we had a pilot of a crossing guard location and that uh, proved out to increase crossings at that at that intersection, mm. um, I think that had been a long-standing uh, concern about the old crossing guard kind of analysis. Is it? It didn't. There wasn't a flexible approach to how do you figure out if there could be crossings if there were only a crossing guard. So I think that was nice to um, see that being deployed. And Inverness, the crossing that goes to Southwest, and uh, I was confused the elementary there. Sunflower. Sunflower. Yeah. yeah. So, and then there's also a private school nearby there, Raintree. So, um, that one, there was no crossing guard. It's a controlled intersection. It's huge, though. Not Inverness. Inverness, and, well, it is Inverness. Inverness Parkway. And, and Parkway. Really, quite a potentially intimidating crossing, especially for little kids that yeah. maybe parents wouldn't be comfortable them doing it without supervision. So, I think that was a good example where... It was pretty intuitive that there might be a lot of demand if it was just crossing. It proved out once there was one in place that a lot of kids started using it. So I think big improvements in the last couple of years around crossing guard um, utilization. But what I think is easy to forget is that one um, program is an element to kind of this comprehensive approach to how do we ensure that kids that are choosing to walk or bike to school can do that um, as safe as possible. And, you know, there's other elements like providing, um, if, you know, they have to cross streets to get to a sidewalk. Uh, we want to minimize those crossings so that they stay on one side of the street so they're not crossing busier streets. Uh, you might if you're familiar, just since we're on Inverness, um, that's a road that has a lot of crossings because the sidewalk bounces from one side to the other, unfortunately. So, and anyway, so there's a lot going on around how do you improve safety. And I think we often don't think of the school crossing guard program as essentially a budget for school safety efforts. So I thought, could we, while we have it all, all that funding is going toward one particular element of a comprehensive approach, would it be helpful for us to think about 
the program in its entirety and then see if there's a need for funds in other areas. And what I'm still not sure about from the like funding um, history that you guys provided is, is that coming out of, is the funding coming out of the general fund or is it coming, I mean, it's inside the parking program. So is it coming out of something that doesn't have any flexibility to be used differently? Or is there any way to think about how that budget really gets considered as a safe rest to school budget where it has a more comprehensive kind of perspective where we might think we need to actually increase the budget from 120,000 up to 300,000 because to accomplish the goals of safe routes, every school needs transit education, needs more bike education, pedestrian education, and that programmatic work costs money. So then, you know, if we have that perspective and bring it to our work, that might make it more likely that funding like that could be, um, you know, accumulated. I guess. So, and then, or we could help conceive of it in a way that staff finds it easier than to go out and secure that kind of funding. But I do believe there's a lot of support for safe routes and most of the funding has probably been targeted at infrastructure improvements. And if we were to think about, you know, Jessica kind of gave us a heads up on the five E's not becoming, and that's not, maybe not the feature for safety around transportation, but just as it's been, we've been putting money in the infrastructure and enforcement kind of in a roundabout way through the education hasn't really had a lot. So encouragement hasn't had a lot. That was the signs, I, right? <clears throat> think, I don't know where you put the crossing darts in those five E's, if it would be a, I mean, I think it's enforcement. Well, I think the five E's correspond to the neighborhood traffic management program, right? Or are they a different? It's a, kind of a cross-cutting concept that okay. applies to traffic safety oh, and traffic transportation safety. Okay. So when we, we never had a, we don't think about our budget for safe routes. This has never been kind of packaged that way. So I'm just mentally trying to connect those dots and thinking a lot of safe, a lot of effort to provide resources toward that community priority. And yet, if, yet we've never really thought of it as a budget per se. So if we did, then we might go even further in thinking about what's the right level of funding to commit to that. Um, it seems like it's it's a little tricky because there's like disparate sources of funding and ways to spend it, even though they're all sort of done in that same policy document. Whereas with the neighborhood traffic management policy and staff should correct me if I'm wrong, hopefully, but does all the money come from the same place and get spent by the same group of staff or is it not that clean cut? Or what? For the, the neighborhood traffic management program. Yeah, that's a separate program um, for this. Um, and it all, it, did it used to come from different sources of funding or did it just kind of come out of, you know, its own thing and was always a single source of funding and a single source of spending it? Yeah, I think it's been general fund. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so to answer your question on the uh, crossing guards, that's general fund as well. So parking and transit maintains it, but it's not parking funded. 
Okay. Um, okay. And so, so there's some flexibility there. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, what, the way that that line item is set up is that, you know, in our traffic control policy, we're, the city, you know, with our MOU with the school district and part of the plan, we're responsible. We've taken responsibility for the crossing guards and the cost of them. So it's, you know, we didn't, we haven't tailored the criteria to lower the cost at all. It's the, it's the policy drives the cost. The cost is a little over a hundred thousand um, dollars. There has been challenges keeping crossing, you know, finding crossing guards to um, be there all the time. And so our staff has had to supplement when there's absences, but that's kind of a more of an operational um, thing. But um, if we were to add, you know, if, if we were to add to that, it would have to come out of the general fund. And it would have to be a bigger picture, bigger picture programmatic, programmatic thing. And, and, and then the question would be, what is it being spent towards and whose responsibility for it? So in our Safe House of School plan, um, there's a lot of educational things that were kind of uh, the champion as USD 497 it was like bike education. And I know, I don't know if it's still going on. I know, you know, a year or two ago, they were starting to do some of it. Um, um, so if there's anything that that this group has, wants to look into a little more, we have our, we still have our, we have a Safe Routes to School working group. So city staff's on there, um, school district, um, health department, public health, um, and um, so those are conversations that we can have and and see what areas, you know, what areas school districts do an education in um, and um, our, our Safe Routes to School working group, too, um, that has some responsibilities for coordinating maps and stuff. And that's kind of tangential to education, but we provide maps and um on walking routes and traffic circulation routes so there's some coordination that goes on with that too so um but, if, if but i can what i wonder is if the schools understood the funding that they that's benefiting them from the crossing guards if they understood that as basically a safe routes budget for their school would they want to spend the money on crossing gardens? Would they have other thoughts on how to promote the safest travel to school? And because we know that the safest way to get to school is probably not, I mean, feel kind of like I shouldn't say this, but it's probably not like walking or biking. It's probably taking a bus, right? So then when you bring in the question about how do you get kids to school if they're using a bus, the standard response is, well, the district's policy is 2.5 miles, you know. Which means it'll be totally useless for elementary school students, right? Yeah. Which is who are the ones who need it the most, you know? Right. So, hmm. but I, mostly this is, as I said, this is going to be a brainstorming. It's like, how do we think more open-minded about the resources of our community and how they're being deployed to deal with this um, concern around safety of kids getting to school. Is the only budget currently in Safe Routes to School infrastructure, you know, well, that's what we see the most sidewalks often. and that kind of thing. I didn't know if there was any other 
budget currently. So the crossing guards and then building sidewalks. I think in terms of our like consistently you know, we see funding wise, it's those two things. Mm -hmm. um, there has been historically some funding from the health department, uh, but the source of that funding is gone. So I think yeah. pretty much that's gone. That would pay for like things that would encourage um, walking and biking during like Promotion events, like uh -huh. walk to school walk day, to school day, school yeah. day. Mm -hmm. um, printed materials. I think this health funding. So I, I don't know. It's been one of, one of those. Maybe what we're doing is good, but I feel like if we conceive a bit differently, we might recognize that we're underfunding pretty significant community priority. Or maybe we're funding the wrong thing. If we talk to the schools and find out maybe it's not crossing guards we need, but buses or or you know safety patrol education or something um it's it sounds to me then that we have you know our capital expenditures which is the safe routes to school stuff that comes out of the general fund i'm assuming is that where actually like constructing safe routes to school comes out of some of it's, been grants. Some of it's bike ped fund so our safe routes to school gets a high you know it's in our prioritization so if it's a pedestrian project it gets bumped up a little so mm -hmm. when we get there's safe routes to school grants that we get or if we do standalone projects um, we've done a lot of sidewalk gaps on safe routes to school yeah. so much that we've, I think almost done one side of all of them, one side of the street on all mm -hmm. of them. If not, we're pretty close. I recall. And that's one of the goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we may, but it's not a standalone, like it's Item just for clearly. safe routes to school. It's, Interesting. It's for, so it's not really improvements or, yeah. or every two years, uh, the federal funding that we get through KDOT, safe routes to school, which we've gotten several of those, um, so it's not not guaranteed, but uh, it's been a pretty steady source of revenue for making improvements. So there's no defined capital expenditure budget from the city for Safe Routes to School because they're not really selected that way. They're selected as part of the bike ped prioritization program, and therefore they still come out of the general fund, I'm assuming, right? Or is that or infrastructure sales tax? Uh, yeah. Is that where they come out of? Okay. So it so the CapEx and OpEx then are pretty disjointed as far as where they come from and who spends them, which is interesting. Well, so that's where our, our role is to yeah. those dots. It, yeah. Like, so, I guess question A, is it worth it to unify them? I feel like the general answer is it wouldn't be a bad idea because the policy kind of does unify them. But the other question is, if you wanted to say reallocate funds between one and the other, could you do it? And that's not, it's hard to answer that question because there's not, as I said, like a dedicated pot of funding for safe routes to school capital improvements. So you couldn't just be like, I'll, I'll take $100,000 for the 2023 fiscal year, move from capital to operating. It doesn't really work that way. I feel like for the infrastructure stuff, we've had a really good track record. And I think our approach of being attentive to it, seizing opportunities when they've become available, kind of baking the um, prioritization policy kind of with points, I mean, it's, it's I think we've demonstrated commitments to the infrastructure piece, but when you think about a comprehensive approach to promoting safety for, you know, kids that are traveling to school, it's like, what else could we be doing? Is is everything fine? We just say, oh, we're good. We're the infrastructure committee. <laughs> or do we say, well, we're also having to be attentive to enforcement issues. Uh, how do we encourage kids to do this? How do we encourage families that might be reluctant? How do we um, educate them? You know, it's the district's 
place to educate them. But there's, I know there's a um, curriculum that was developed through a, so a group of folks that worked with the health department uh, last year, and it's not being deployed that I understand. So now that transit is um, free, this is the year to like get people trained on how to use the bus. There's really no barrier except your own reluctance, you know? Um, and like, how are we seizing this moment to like push on education and encouragement? Mm. Is there any way to support that other than just giving them a, you know, pat on the back and telling them, go do it. And is it, does it help at all to conceive of it as part of our safe routes commitment? I think it should. Um, I think I just want to make sure I, I close off the previous thing I was thinking about before moving on. Originally, I was thinking, yeah, we should maybe think about, you know, capital and operating expenditures together. That's too confusing. I'm not going to worry about it going forward. Let's just say we're only talking about operating expenditures, right? So, um, which is, it's maintained by parking, meaning that their people fill in for crossing guards. Do they do any other maintenance of the program or is it just like somebody had to do it? And it's part. Yeah, they just they maintain the crossing guards, so they do the training and okay and uh, recruitment. Is parking under MSO? It's under transit, Ooh. and transit's not under MSO. Correct. That's interesting. Yeah. Weird. It's, but yeah, as part of the uh, the plan goes, and and there's action steps in the plan. It's on, mm -hmm. and I can share my screen. But really, the plan was structured that the majority of the education and, and encouragement was. <laughs> for USD 497 yeah. to do it. Cause we, at least in MSO, we don't have staff to be doing like educational right. type things. And they're not paying for anything anyway. Um, so not I mean. that it, not, you know, not that the city couldn't take that on, but it would be, there would be a lot of effort right. uh, to do that. So it'd be, um, yeah. And I could, um, would it be helpful if I shared the list of yeah. Uh, yeah. items sure. in the action plan here? And it does seem like the conclusion we're heading toward though, that the next step is probably to talk with the Safe Routes to School Committee or Steering Committee or Task Force or whatever, um, and and start to loop in the other stakeholders. Because, I mean, I can bring up a whole bunch of cool things that would be nice to spend money on, but maybe a better way would be to talk to people who know what they're doing and what the limitations are and get a list of like, here's what we think would really, really help based on research or experience or gut feeling. And then from there, maybe prioritize and figure out how to pay for it. And if, if we have more to pay for than the budget allows, then we start to figure stuff out, right? But I think engaging with that group would be a really important next step. Um, yeah, I'm, I appreciate this kind of action plan with who's responsible, but what's really not showing here is the resources that are being committed or being expended for it. And so, it looks like, I mean, I could go down this list, say crossing guards, city, city, city. We could put dollars right there. Yeah. And if you got constructing, maintaining routes, city slash developer, city, you could probably put dollars right there. The, the other pieces don't demonstrate that. And so I'm assuming there actually isn't funding being committed to it. <clears throat> So then I'm just left feeling like there's a gap here. We, we have an action plan. We have some responsibilities outlined, but we don't have uh, resources committed to it. And 
perhaps these aren't all resource intensive, but if there's a if there's something here that needs something, then I think it'd be helpful for us to know that and then to wrestle with like how would we help to marshal resources to facilitate greater progress on it. So I know some of these are kind of probably baked into protocols. Like I know at the health department, the parent surveys, you know, that's done, it's supported. It's not gonna be probably a big imposition. It doesn't require, you know, dollars per se. But appointing a school champion for each school years ago, that school champion concept was funded through a grant the health department received from the CDC. And so that's what got the ball rolling, actually. We used PE teachers. Mm. The PE teachers were the ones that had to embrace the idea of trying to teach kids how to ride bikes with real bikes <clears throat> that we got money for. So they could suddenly have a fleet of bikes mm. and had a curriculum. And all this was made possible because money was being brought into the into the issue. Mm. And people got excited, and then there was money to make it possible, and then boom, fourth and fifth graders were getting on-bike education mm. as part of PE. That was a huge improvement. I don't know where that stands today, and if there's needs to replace bikes, or if there's a need to incentivize their um, participation in that curriculum, because they were they were paid a very small stipend. I mean, it was yeah maybe five hundred dollars. It wasn't much. And it might not have meant much to them, but it was stuff they could buy other PE equipment with. Perhaps I don't know how they spend it. So but maybe those are the things I'm thinking. Like, yeah, where's the where's the community's commitment to this beyond infrastructure, and maybe beyond the crossing guards? And if crossing guards are a challenging approach because of the difficulty of recruiting crossing guards could that funding this essentially going towards the safety of one school could that school put into play another proposal that might be a better use of it you know the idea of um, the um, walking school buses is that you don't have a adult crossing guard you have an adult supervising mm -hmm. an entire train of kids walking to school. So it kind of bakes in a crossing guard at every single time they cross. Um, that, that model that was used in Columbia, Missouri, you pay a coordinator at a school, and it's actually then volunteers that are trained to shepherd this group of kids, you know, through a neighborhood, either school. I could imagine certain schools in this community would be really excited to have funding to support that and they might see that as maybe a good alternative to crossing guards. Um, of course that's I think that has to be driven by the school, but do we have any flexibility to present that as an option to a school? Um, you know, kind of like we did with the neighborhood traffic management, we gave neighborhoods an opportunity to kind of know something. I wonder if we could think about how to give schools some sense that they have a stake in the way things are playing out mm -hmm. and the school crossing guards are one of the things that are funded, but, you know, it, it's, it's thinking definitely different. Um, it'd be hard to think 
no crossing guard at a location, I think, for some parents yeah. that aren't participating in a walking school bus. But there's other things that are less expensive, like, uh, I forgot it. I think it's called safety patrol, where essentially... The AAA junior safety patrols? Yeah. I heard at one point that the school rejected uh, an offer to do that or something, which is wild, because, like... I think there has been reluctance. It's like 80% of schools do it, so we're the weird ones. But it's like, you know, I'm looking for, like, what's that school that says, you're spending how much money on us? Well, we'd rather spend it this way. Yeah. I don't know, you know, the hundred and some thousand dollars broken up to how many schools are getting crossing guards right now? I don't know how many schools. I think there's there's 11 guards and 16 crossings, I think, Mm. 16 or 18. But yeah. So just keep the math simple. Just imagine that it's $8,000 per school. I don't know. That might be enough to get a school and get, get them more engaged and Maybe they have a better idea that provides safety, but has the real benefit of actually getting more kids to walk the bike. Or if they come up with it, then at least they have ownership over it and will actually do it. Um, but like when, Dave, when you were showing up on the screen of all the things that USD 497 is on the hook for, it it sounded like maybe there's some that may have lapsed in terms of what's actually happening. Like they were planned, but are we doing it? I don't know. Um, it seems like... It, might be a good exercise to go through it with the safe routes to school group and say like how many of these things that we thought were going to happen have continued to this day because um, i wonder if the working group knows the status of these and we just don't or mm-hmm. if that's not being tracked at all because certainly having that information for the working group i would think would be really important to important to have as well as you know for us thinking about a comprehensive plan and then maybe there's another approach would be, is there a way we can find some, uh, just like the neighborhood traffic management, you know, that was a program that didn't exist a few years ago. And staff was able to figure out a way to kind of get some funding committed to it. I think essentially saying, instead of doing traffic calling projects, we're going to do this. So it kind of went from a capital thing to an operating thing and, not sure how you guys finagle it, but you know, is there a way to to figure out a a budget that maybe this commission is able to use to incentivize um, more progress in safe routes to school? So maybe you're not having to decide between the crossing guards and this. You, instead, you get to compete around, you know, the safe routes to school pilot project. Through your neighborhood, something else, you know, like it's capped at X amount of dollars every year, and it's a way to get that school get engagement there. Um, so that's what I was hoping to come up with. Is just do we have do we want to do something that's a little bit, you know, trying to drive that safe routes work a little further, and what would it look like? And, you know, we all agree on it now. We just have to basically kick it to you guys <laughs> to figure out if there's a way to, like, make the case for that. So. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be it'd be difficult for us to just flip a switch and start putting the money to adult crossing guards because so much conversation went into that and the revision of the policy, and there was uh, a lot of concern about just the few that we removed. So I think there would 
um, need to be a lot of conversations before we did anything like that, that um, the uh, the Safe Rest of School plans revised every five years. I think it was last done in 2020. Okay. So it'll probably be on the table in another year or two. And that's probably more of a big picture planning thing. Um, but we can certainly um, come back with a brief on some of these educational things that I, I know some of them still happen, at least in some schools, um, but I, I don't have any more information on like hard costs or who's doing what that I could present tonight, but we could maybe put something together uh, after our next working group meeting. Because yeah, I think, you know, thinking about saying or replace the crossing guard program with something else, but I think presenting the idea of, of a more comprehensive program and, you know, not, not say, well, that's going to come out of the crossing guard budget necessarily, but conceiving of this comprehensive effort, you know, that's, that's both the capital expenditures and these other expenditures and, and how can these, how can these happen? And I think the, you know, the, the inventory of what is actually happening is a big piece of that and getting feedback from the working group about then I, the idea of a comprehensive program um, that that could include all of those components. And, you know, I mean, there's some, there can be other sources of funding, you know, it's generally grants and those kinds of things, but, um, but at least getting buy-in to the concept of, of, a, of a comprehensive program. Maybe a... Uh... Deliverable is to be if the working group is up for it would be to, to provide a status report about the action plan and then have a some notion of what the funding level is for the action steps that do require some funds or or something that gets to this idea like does this program need fifty thousand dollars a year? Does it need ten thousand a year? Like is there ideally an operating budget across all the different agencies? <clears throat> and that would be something for us to wrestle with then. Like, how do we? And if we could take that step and then have a joint study session with representatives from the safe routes and other, you know, other people that, you know, would, could represent to have that study session with us to, to bring, you know, take that brainstorming even further than what you know than what we can do um without their without their input so having that input once we had some some assessment or inventory like you know what's being done makes sense to me yeah we really need to get more involvement from the school district to make progress in some of these things and i think that might be the challenge and i'm sure funding is a big challenge for them so I don't know if we have an answer to the funding, but it would be nice to know, like, what would an adequate amount of funding look like? And if we're already funding the crossing guards, how much more um, would it take to take this program to the level that people want it to go to? And I don't know the data from the last several years, but we were making some incremental progress years ago when I was more involved in the health department, but 
you know, in some communities, you get walking and biking rates up to like above 25%. And it takes just this little bit of effort to do the programming that makes the difference. Um, a lot of times it literally is that parents just don't think other than just to drive their kids to school. It's just the default these days. It is. Yeah. It is. And I don't know when that shift happened, but it was a hard shift. And it's and it's odd too, because there's you know, at the same time this 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 community wide debate going on about neighborhood schools, keeping them, closing them, consolidating them. People do seem to have an attachment to having the neighborhood school. It seems like there maybe is latent want to walk, but until we figure out how to get people to walk. Um, one of the things I was curious about, I know we've done a lot of surveys about all sorts of stuff, including safe routes to school. Did, has there ever been any survey data on like parents explaining what their major barriers are to actually yeah. letting their kids walk to school? Is it that they don't have the time to accompany them? Because I can see that being a thing. It, I mean, that's, that's one of the elements in the survey, but yeah. I don't remember. It's been several years. But the biggest issue is the concern about crossed cars. Okay. Crossings. Yeah. This is where we kind of hear this. It's about crossings. It's about crossings. In our meeting tonight, we're going to be looking at the bike head yeah. design guidelines. But remember that. It started as crossing guidelines. That was about crossing. Yeah. Not about design of bikeways. Yeah, kind of morphed in it. It's, it's, we've been getting off topic, but it's about crossing safety. People don't feel comfortable especially with their kids, letting them cross the street without a supervisor. Yeah. And until we solve this, then the whole idea of a neighborhood school, there's something the big piece missing to why a neighborhood school is great, right? Like, it's not just because it's near. It's near for a reason. So you can walk to it and you don't have to drive your kid to three blocks away or something. So it sounds like that that information does exist, which is nice to know that there's something backing it up. I was just curious if there's any other factors that I don't know about like it might be summarized in the plan like stranger danger you know feedback is in the oh yeah there is the safe routes program has a survey okay and repeated multiple times now so okay um so it sounds like maybe we're getting towards the point of next steps which does sound like um asking the safe routes to school working group to give us a rundown on what's going on from the usd 497 contribution lines but also possibly simultaneously do some kind of joint brainstorming. I, I feel like the similar conversation that we're having here would be nice to have with people from USD 497 in the room as well and kind of get their view because I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't have kids that age yet. So do we think that needs to be a study session with them coming here or with like one person from MMTC going there instead? So I'm less inclined to think that we have to have a joint study session. I think that's going to maybe be a harder ask, but if we just understood better where things are at and what's the barrier. And if the barrier is around resources, then quantify that. And if we had a clear clarity on the right level of commitment is, you know, and I mean comprehensively, like we're already putting in a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, just for the operating budget. Yeah. For the operating budget that we kind of are contributing to. Mm -hmm. What would the rest of it look like if money was not the problem? Like, would it be a $200,000 budget, $300,000, $2 million? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they may not even know the cost. The action, action plan into that budget would provide a lot more clarity on what does it look like to make sure this plan really has support. 
it sounds like we could maybe do a list of questions that could cover a couple of these items that we're talking about. And I think one of them is to start with, with those lines that they're gone, um, with the, the lines that were supposed to be USD 497's responsibility, what's going on with them? If they're not going on, what's the barrier? Is it cost? Is it person power? Um, and then the other side is this crossing guard thing, right? Like, so here's what we have top down told you you're going to get and how it's going to be distributed, right? Like you're going to have this many crossing guards that are going to be here because of this and it'll cost this much. But if you had control over the budget, would you choose something different? Do you think there are better ways to go about doing it? I mean, we could ask about costs, but it's possible they don't know what that cost is, right? I mean, if they want walking school buses to be led by volunteers, who knows how much that coordinator would actually cost to get that up up and running. So I don't know if they would know that answer, but we can at least get them to maybe be more creative with, you know, if you were coming up with this idea, would you do crossing guards or would you do a combo or something else entirely? And then kind of get the creative juices flowing a little bit. And from there, start to talk like, all right, but here's the budget, by the way. And say like, you know, at current funding levels, there'd have to be some give and take, but we can be creative, you know, with grant funding, volunteers, services, stuff like that. I'd, I'd be happy if it was just take the plan you've already developed, add a budget to it, and bring that. We can we can then take a look at that. I'm not sure that the plan that they've conceived of if it's going to be reviewed and revised in a couple more years. Like, let's just get ahead of that. Get clarity on what the limitations of the plan are in terms of it didn't. They didn't stipulate resource commitment. So then let us deal with that. I mean, because in some ways it's not our problem to solve either. either. Mm -hmm. What we can do is elevate, get clear on what the need is to take the current plan and operationalize it. And if the barrier is funding, that's information we can put out there. And if the people that control the budgets have the interest in trying to see that plan operationalized and they know that's what it takes is, I mean, look at how the Lawrence uh, loop has been prioritized. Safe routes has maybe not the exact same kind of support, hmm. but my recollection is since that idea has been planted, it has gained traction in our community, mm -hmm. significant, similar to the Lawrence loop. In the Lawrence loop, there's, been a clear like you see the light now and we can see in the cip that this community is committed to seeing that thing through safe routes there's sounds like some light emerging on the infrastructure part but that's not a comprehensive safe routes program that's the infrastructure piece so ultimately there probably is a need to budget a certain amount of money to adequately support that program and that will lead to the outcomes, not just building more sidewalks. Sure. So what I'm looking for is what does it look like to have a sustainable safe routes program in terms of its budget? And get don't worry yet about who's going to pay for it. It's just like create your plan and then give us estimates of that cost. And then you know and at this that, point if that information helps to inform the community, which forms the process for budgeting. And I, I seriously think it's not a huge amount of extra money that those, maybe we make trade-offs about 
is this as important as we think it is, or would it be more valuable to do this? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there is money out there. We just need to figure out where to do it. Do we? We don't. I mean, you know, to me, no one knows if it's a two hundred thousand dollar budget or one hundred and ten thousand dollar budget. I don't think one hundred ten thousand is enough. Mm -hmm. And I think while I'm creative and thinking, let's just consider that the budget and how would we reuse it? Probably in a pragmatic way, no one's going to want to touch cross endurance. Right. So it's that's probably stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's what else is necessary to have to get the progress we think is important. Do we stick with just the components of the plan that are all already in existence or like you were saying if we want to get out ahead of the next line of revisions should we maybe offer a couple of suggestions it's like here are things that you may not have thought of that could augment safe routes to school crossing guards are one tool so are walking school buses so is the AAA junior patrol program like just think about this yeah. um i think the next step is probably just to get a sense of what would it cost to do the plan that was drafted and then, I'm not sure, like, you know, you don't always put everything on the table when you're drafting a plan because you think what's reasonable. If it's going to be revised in a few years, mm -hmm. maybe this mission needs to be a little more engaged in, like, here are the best practices. We want to see this. And we think it's important to put it in the plan, even if it doesn't have a fund resource, because that's often what conversation towards trying to get funded. Like I really think the walking school bus idea would be a game changer with the walking and the biking rates. And I think the data is pretty conclusive. Probably change your how many kids that walk to school. When someone shows up at your door to pick up your kid to join the, the crew of kids who are walking as a parent, you're gonna feel probably pretty uh, excited about telling your kid, hey, you know, your friends are out there waiting for you. This is my opinion. But, but since that's not currently in the plan, at least I don't think it is, I guess, is it the time to introduce that? Just kind of hoping hey, that they'll... Let's start with just a session <laughs> staff committee, like what's, what's stopping them from going further yeah. to where they want to go, and then we can ask for consideration. But I know, I mean, I'm just laying my cards out, like, that's one that has always seemed like it's just a matter of finding a reliable funding stream to hire a coordinator for each school and then their job to do this. Or an administrator. I maintain the junior patrol program would be a very easy source of a lot of people so power. So in some ways, we just need to have some funding to allow some creativity to right. discover what actually works. Yeah. Like, would it work, or is it just a finite sky? Yeah. Maybe what works in other towns doesn't actually work in Morris. Maybe our community has its own ideas about what to do to get to the point where, I mean, this is crazy, but is it ever possible that the majority of kids would not get to school in a car by themselves? Like, <laughs> or as a community, we want to... Probably not west of Iowa, <laughs> but east of Iowa, possibly. Where there's where there's a lot some of the, more connected some networks. Of the of biking. Well, there's a lot west there's a lot better sidewalks west of Iowa too. Yeah, the data is all in that plan. Sure. Yeah, the data is in the plan. Um, so yeah, what we can do is uh, with our Safe Routes to School Working Group report back on what some of the activities are 
ongoing, what resources are being spent and maybe what is not being done and bring that back at some point to do anything like comprehensive change or add things in the plan that really would need to wait till we revise the plan a couple of years. That'd be a pretty heavy lift. That sounds like uh, with, a good timing to start on like the groundwork there, right? Sure. Where are we starting from really? Sure. So yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, I think our commission has always had to be a um, long-term perspective kind of commission. <laughs> and given the turnover in our commission too, it's like, this is this and the Lawrence Loop have always felt like two easy ideas people get behind. And yeah, Rosalie uncontroversial. So I guess I feel like it's our role to shepherd like the two of those. And right now that one's feel a little bit ignored to me. Lawrence I think it was so successful we forgot about it. Feels like it's <laughs> yeah, almost on autopilot. You guys are rocking and rolling. So so we're past our start time for the regular agenda. Um, oh, oh. Um, if Ryan is not online, we do not, do not have a quorum to proceed with the regular meeting. So we could um, give him a couple minutes, take a break, and maybe if that sounds good, good to you, we can wait till 6.30, and then if he hasn't joined by then, we'll yeah. have to adjourn, and we'll postpone our... Consultant here items until yes. Um, Stephen is online, so okay, yep, okay. Um, I guess so. If we is the action, sorry, now we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves here. Is the action to approve or reject, or is it just to provide feedback? It's it's for a recommendation. I mean, for the regular agenda item, we've got the election of chair, vice chair first, and we and and the minutes. So just to go through our normal business, we would. Need, really need to have a quorum so okay would we maybe try to reschedule the one for february or is it is it canceled for another reason well we had um planned to cancel it because we were going to do the retreat in february so we got to get that get moving on that in a date but uh um it's i will likely not be here in february mm -hmm. um might be better to wait till march okay is, is there possible to call him to just check in with him? Send him an email. Remind him if he can email. Did he notify if he wasn't going to be? Yeah, he said he would be joining on um, Zoom, but. Oh, okay. well, that's good. At least we got. Yeah, no, that. Signs of life. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, but we can probably adjourn until 630. I think that'd, right. that, that, that'd yep. be fine. Yeah. Cool. All so, right. Thanks. Because that's over the tables. <laughs> yeah. I have quorum. Um, we can't do our only two action items that we, agenda items that we have because they both require a vote. So. That's right. Um, that being said, I guess there are other items that don't require a vote. Should we go through with the rest of our agenda to keep doing updates? Or um, I can put it to a quick commission vote. I mean, they'll basically be receive public comment, approve the minutes. Oh, wait, can't do that. Yeah. We can receive public comment. We can have commission items and staff items. And that's about it.
would that be worthwhile to people? I guess I, mean, I think we really need to have a quorum to run the meeting. Mm-hmm. So I'd hate to pick bits and pieces out and um, if we don't have a quorum, we just can't run the meeting. Mm. Let's see. Um, uh, before we totally stop, the public comment is regarding the KDOT stuff. Um, do we know if what the movement is on, on that? Like what the progress is with, with KDOT, Clinton Parkway, SLT, all that stuff? Is that still in design? Are we going to hear from Chris at some point? Or Yeah, the, um, they'll, they've not finished design yet, and there will be an update on that in the future. Okay. Maybe at the, I guess if we can't have a February meeting in the March, probably, right? Correct. Yep. Our next regular meeting scheduled for March. March 7th. All right. Well, sounds like we'll have to adjourn then. Is there any other discussion around this or? But, I mean, I guess we can have a quick bit of public comment, right? It's not like we act on it anyway. So there's, it's just to hear and get it on the record. We're, I mean, the meetings. We don't have a meeting. There's no meeting. All right. So be it. The not meeting is adjourned. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> You're not going anywhere? <laughs> not right this minute. I mean, if, we, if you guys want to talk about something.